Amen, Johnny Cash. Thank you, brother. Well, this is Radio Free Canada, back again as always. This is Kevin Annett, your host. It's wonderful to be with you again. As sure as God made dark and light, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. Well, yes, we're bringing this darkness to the light constantly. The question is, now that you know it's out, now that you know what address evil is located at, what are you going to do about it? Well, today we're going to talk to somebody who is doing lots about it. Her name is Judy Byington. We've got her back after a few weeks. She's the author of 22 Faces, a retired therapist of satanic ritual crime survivors. And she's going to continue the discussion we started a few weeks ago about the organized satanic cults in Utah, in the western United States, and the way the Attorney General of the state seems to be cooperating in protecting these satanic killers. Now, she'll be on with us at quarter after the hour. Before that, I wanted to review a number of things for you, as people have requested. The uh, You notice on our itccs.org site a couple of new postings. I want to talk about both of them. First of all, the breaking news we posted on May 16th after the last show, and it's a statement out of the ITCCS office in Brussels commenting on the fact that on May 16th, and again, this is not accidental, it was just two weeks after the exposure of the satanic Ninth Circle cult, the breaking up of three of these rituals by our teams in uh, Holland, France, and Switzerland. May 16th, just two weeks after that, Pope Francis Jorge Bagoglio absolves over 2,000 priests who were known to have raped and even caused the death of children, including one man, one priest, who deliberately infected children as young as two with HIV. Now, what we found out subsequently, if this wasn't simply just uh, a PR gimmick by the Catholic Church once again, showing how beneficent they are, etc., ad nauseum, what in fact this was, was from our sources, we've learned this last week, over 10% of these priests were from Canada. And a big chunk of those were from Quebec. We're going to get to that uh, more uh, of the significance of that on our next item. But these Quebec priests were all subject to this guy, uh, Cardinal Gérald Lacroix, who was himself named as a Ninth Circle member who participated in a child sacrificial killing at the Jesuit San Lorenzo Church in Rome, right near the Vatican, in uh, February of 2014. Now, Gérard Lacroix is implicated, in other words, in this, and what you've got to do is absolve any priest connected to the Ninth Circle under his uh, uh, you know, jurisdiction. So clearly this was in response, this absolution by Jorge Bagoglio of 2,000 child raping priests, directly in response to the Ninth Circle being exposed more. This is how they respond. They cover up, they conceal, and, but definitely it's a result of the action we took. Now, Gerald Lacroix, of course, is connected to somebody else who has been involved in covering up uh, and going after the police who assisted us in the Ninth Circle takedown. Luigi Ventura, who's now the papal nuncio, that's the so-called ambassador of the Vatican to France. Well, from his Parisian palace, Luigi Ventura, this cardinal, is going after and identifying any French policeman 
um, who was involved in stopping the Ninth Circle, and he's pressuring politically the their police uh, superiors to remove them or, or uh, demote them in some way. Luigi Ventura, uh, big surprise, was in Canada during the height of our exposure of the Indian residential school crimes. He directly silenced survivors of child trafficking networks in Cornwall, Ontario, helped to shut down Perry Dunlop, the one policeman on the Cornwall force who was trying to bring this stuff out. Luigi Ventura himself connected in the Ninth Circle, appointed to the papal nuncio in Canada, right at the same time by a convicted criminal, Pope Benedict. Now here he is turning up like a dirty sock again. So don't forget, as part of this uh, notification, one of our sources said that the Ninth Circle was most likely moving its headquarters from Europe to North America. Well, it looks like it's probably Canada. And uh, that brings us to our next item. Coming out of this announcement, we had... uh, uh, you know, out of Brussels about the the response of the Vatican to the Ninth Circle takedown. Uh, one of the things that the notification at itccs.org asked people to do, of course, is to get the government to cancel all charitable tax-exempt statuses for the Roman Catholic Church in whatever country they're in, because they're in a criminal conspiracy, subverting the domestic laws, child protection laws, and, and sovereignty relief of every nation they're in, and to expel the Vatican papal nuncio. Well, in relation to that, is our next item, which is that, um, as we mentioned, the uh, Montreal is one of the centers where these Ninth Circle cults occurred and these sacrificial killings. Their infamous Marie-Rendemont Cathedral in downtown Montreal has been a site in their subterranean chambers where children have been sacrificed. And um, what, if you take a look, and this is for all those folks in Montreal, all our members in Montreal, and anyone, do a Google map search and put in, uh, type in, uh, Windsor Hotel, W-I-N-D-S-O-R Hotel in Montreal. On the Google map, you will notice that, guess what, boys and girls, it's right around the corner, literally kitty corner, to Marie-Rendemont Cathedral. Well, interestingly enough, Windsor Hotel is the place that has been named as the location of some of the top corporate and political supporters of the Ninth Circle. This could be one of the places where the Ninth Circle will be operating out of now, not only in North America, but it's this world's headquarters. Windsor Hotel was built over 100 years ago. It's now a bunch of corporate offices, but what's interesting is that it was the home of all of the Canadian elite, the top uh, capitalists, politicians, all the railway magnates, the Bromfman family, um, royalty. They all worked out of this Windsor Hotel. And here's an interesting note. For the first uh, first time the English monarchs ever visited it in the... uh, Royal Tour of 1939, just before the war began, King George VI and Queen Elizabeth stayed at the Windsor Hotel. And among the throngs of well-wishers, there were so many people, apparently, that according to police reports, quote, 64 children had been separated from their parents. Now, it doesn't say whether those children were ever found again, but it's just an interesting note that at the center of this infamous hotel that's going to be where the Ninth Circle clearly from all our evidence, is going to be operating on it. Children are going missing as far back as 1939. Again, kitty corner to the Marie Rendemont Cathedral. So keep that spot flagged. And for you folks in Montreal, that should definitely be a spot of protest and public awareness when you start launching your actions there. And in that regard, uh, another notice on the itccs.org website. You'll see the latest notification. For everyone. It's called the Volunteer Information Bulletin, and that's gone out to our groups and volunteers all over the world in nine countries. 
And it really gives instructions about, to answer the question, well, what do we do to help? You know, we get dozens, literally, of emails every week saying, what can we do to help stop these child killers, child traffickers? Well, it's all laid out there. Please go to itccf.org, read the volunteer information bulletin. And one of the things it says down there, of course, is when you take action, identify the problem, document it, notify the community, and then organize yourself. Move out when you're able to. Don't move out prematurely, but rely on yourself and name the names. Evil has a name and an address, and that's our theme over and over again. Go to that address, name the names, and you'll be amazed at the power you have uh, just simply doing that. And uh, the other point, of course, we make in that is that it's not simply a matter of convening common law courts by yourself or taking action by yourself. It has to be part of a big, bigger community movement. And so we urge people to form citizen assemblies to debate these issues because uh, it's a fact under common law that citizens can issue their own self-governing charter in assembly that allows them the right to set up common law courts. That's how America came about. That's how any common law republic comes about, from the grassroots. People can do that, and we've given you an outline of how to do that uh, right there at itccs.org. So please um, follow that. Uh, bone up on that, and we will be going into that in more detail. Now, in relation to that, and going back to the whole charitable status issue and, and getting the Catholic Church, the Anglicans, the United Church, all those that have committed crimes of genocide against children, have the, that tax-exempt status nullified, because what that every government is doing is telling your citizens you will be funding these criminal bodies, and that's actually violating international law. The Nuremberg Statutes and the ICC Criminal Code says, as recently as 2008, that citizens who fund either governments or private corporations that are committing war crimes are committing a crime themselves. So that's what the Canadian government, for example, is making everybody do. And every government in the world, when you pay taxes and then it's handed over to the Vatican Bank through these so-called financial concordat agreements with over 100 countries and the Vatican, Canada and the U.S. being one, uh, two such countries with these financial concordat agreements. So we say it's time to end that. And in fact, the Canadian Revenue, uh, Canada Revenue Agency, CRA, which is like the IRS in America, they are actually a private corporation, an offshore corporation, taking money, siphoning money, taxpayers' money out of the country and putting it God knows where. It's never, there's never any accountability. What we do know is that several of our activists now in Manitoba and Ontario who have confronted the CRA have now been attacked by them. They've had CRA agents call them up asking for information, claiming that uh, they are being accused of tax fraud when some of them have had not even paid, had uh, paid taxes or even had uh, taxable income for years. They're still being attacked by these CRA agents. So this is how we have to stand together, brothers and sisters. When one of us is attacked like this, we have to stand by one another. So in the coming weeks, as we're talking about uh, examples of how local common law activists are taking action, we'll be focusing on how revenue in your country is being siphoned off by illegal private corporations who work outside the law and who stigmatize and attack anyone who criticizes them. We'll be having inside uh, reports on that in the coming weeks. So please stay tuned. And if you have any information about that, write to us, republicofcanata at uh, gmail.com. Also, uh, read up itccs.org for our latest updates, and especially that volunteer information bulletin. Now, we have Judy Byington uh, on the line with us, 
and uh, let's just welcome her now. Uh, Judy, hello. Hi, good to hear you. It's good to talk again, Judy, it always is. And um, I gave folks a little bit of a, a recap about who you are and everything, but uh, one of the things that's very important, of course, in, in um, this time is how we are showing how these satanic cults continue with government support, with very powerful kind of backing. And I know you've written a letter recently about that. Uh, could you describe that and maybe uh, give people a sense of, of that evidence that you do have about that? Uh, well, I did several years of research here in Utah on what was going on in, in our state. And um, I've, I've, I've worked with uh, the Utah Attorney General's office uh, on several occasions and I'm really quite frustrated at this point because uh, there are some satanic coven leaders who are still out there doing their thing, and yet I can't even seem to get them to um, reopen cases on uh, on on the situation. So I, I finally wrote uh, our present Utah Attorney General a letter, and uh, I, I'd be happy to read that to you if you'd like. Absolutely, yes. This is Attorney General uh, Sean Ray. Yeah, Sean Ray. He he's a new Attorney General, and I haven't worked with him before, okay. but I have um, worked with others in the past. This is uh, greetings, uh, Attorney General uh, Sean Ray. Since at least 1990, the state of Utah has been well aware that there were eight very active satanic covens in Utah, which on a regular basis appeared to be hosting pedophile sex orgies, performing child sacrifices, and making snuff films of the murders. You have reports in your files on when and where those child sacrifices were likely to take place, plus who was likely to be present. To my knowledge, you have no investigations open on a regional satanic coven leader, plus the over 20 suspected perpetrators I have reported to your office over the last 27 years. I am humbly requesting to know why. As a retired therapist and author, I have worked with satanic ritual abuse survivors in Utah since 1990, reported intel on child rape, torture, and murder directly to the Utah Attorney General Ritual Abuse Investigators, Utah Lieutenant Attorney General Reed Richards, <clears throat> and Chief of Special Investigations Charles Hostler. I have connected my intel on satanic coven leader on a specific satanic coven leader and his brother to five missing Utah children, including the three-year-old Rachel Runyon murder case, and have direct information on the brother's activities regarding the Elizabeth Smart kidnapping case and con convicted Lafferty brothers killing of their sister-in-law Brenda and her baby. In 1991, the state of Utah hired special satanic ritual abuse investigators as a result of a two-year-long studies that were under the direction of the Utah State Legislature and a second by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They, they investigated mainly police investigators and therapists in the state. For some time, those professionals who reported that satanic ritual abuse survivors claimed satanic covens in the state were kidnapping, raping, and murdering children on a regular basis. The 1990 LDS report on satanic ritual abuse stated 45 members had witnessed human sacrifice. 
The first arrest of those special investigators was this satanic coven leader who was only charged with molest of one daughter, despite other of his daughters' claims that they had raped them throughout their childhoods. A year prior to his arrest and trial, well, a year prior to his trial, his oldest daughter and her cousin, who were both age 24 and married with children, approached me asking for help. They claim memories of their fathers, raping them and their sisters throughout childhood, taking them to pedophile sex orgies and at least yearly child sacrifice rites. The Utah AG office was refusing to investigate even though they had this leader under arrest and he was awaiting trial. Even though I spent a year with these women and presented evidence from a year long from my year-long investigation, I have a, and I have a taped interview of our conversations at the Utah AG office. Your office still neglected to file further charges on this leader. He was eventually pronounced not guilty through a quirk of the law and released back into society. His brother was never investigated nor charged. At the time, the AG special investigators said they were investigating eight satanic covens in Utah, located in Cache County, Ogden, Salt Lake, Utah County, and Southern Utah. According to this satanic coven leader's ex-wife, he was considered a leader over operations in, on a regional basis and had, extensive snuff film, had an extensive snuff film business that took him from Utah to Idaho, Nevada, Arizona, and Garden Grove, California. And Garden Grove is an interesting situation, by the way, because that's where uh, the subject of my book, Jenny Hill, was ritually abused and saw the uh, satanic uh, child sacrifice. Right. Yep. And uh, I have reason to believe that uh, this satanic coven leader was even present at her, at her, um, at her sacrifice ceremony. As a retired supervisor for Alberta Mental Health and CEO over Provo Family Counseling Center, I worked with these two women for close to a year, going to, with them to different sites in Alpine, Utah, Orem, Provo, Utah Lake, and Scipio, where they claimed satanic rites involving child rape and murder took place throughout their childhoods. And they were there with other children, and, and most of the children were children of uh, satanic members of this particular coven. Right. The women had detailed and corresponding memories of child murders done by their fathers. I hooked up the information on these brothers to five missing children in Utah, including Rachel Runyon, and had direct information on their satanic activities connections to the Elizabeth Smart kidnapping case and the Lafferty brothers' killing of their sister-in-law and her baby. During this year, during, later, I worked another year with Lieutenant, uh, with uh, Head of Special Investigations, uh, Charles Hostler at the AG office. He found that this Satanic Coven leader's extensive case file had disappeared from the Utah Attorney General's office during the Elizabeth Smart investigation. He also said that only he and the present Attorney General would be made aware that they were working with me because they did not trust certain people in your office with the information. I had a special way of contacting him without the use of a phone or internet because he did not trust that that information would be held confidential. Huh. 
In my 27 years of investigating this satanic coven leader, I have gone to designated coven sites on published satanic holidays, and just by being present at these locations near the sites, seem to have broken up what appeared to be pending child sacrifice ceremonies. If a 72-year-old woman can do that, why can't the state of Utah open investigations on people who appear to have been getting away with kidnapping, raping, and the killing of children for at least the last 50 years? Sincerely. Um, Judy, you know, it makes makes our blood boil, and I think anyone who hears this, their blood is boiling, uh, hearing this stuff. And tell me first, this is a new attorney general, is it? Yes, it is. Uh, and I've expect, never talked uh, to him. Okay. Do you do you expect his response is going to be any different than the previous, or do you hold out any hope? Um, I expect he will contact me. Uh, before, when they contacted me, um, actually, um, Mr. Hostler contacted me and called me into his office, and they did open up an investigation. But it went nowhere, um, and they didn't follow up. Um, you know, this was many years ago, and uh, they know that I've been actively gaining information about this COVID, and yet they have never contacted me back. They've never um, contacted uh, known uh, survivors of ritual abuse who have been, you know, have extensive knowledge on the... It was really interesting during the Elizabeth Smart uh, situation. Uh, I was reporting uh, directly to... Um, I worked with her aunt, who's a medical doctor, and uh, and reported to her certain information, and she would get it up to the head of the investigations for the Elizabeth Smart case. And uh, they they seemed to interfere with that information that I'd get and do really weird things, like uh, there's, there's a place uh, where these women had seen child sacrifices, and it's in the basement of a house. And that basement, uh, you know, I had told them about that basement. I said, if you'd go down there, if you'd make a raid on it, you'd probably find blood samples, you know, of children they have killed. It's, it's in an old house. It's in a, um, <laughs> but so, so anyway, what happened is that I um, said, I really pushed them, you know, to do this raid on this house uh, in connection to trying to get, you know, Elizabeth Smart back. And they, in fact, did do a raid on the house, but they they contacted the police down there. Uh, they told them to go to the house and tell them that they were coming. Right. And they never and they never went into the basement. They just right. walked through the, the top part of the house, and they never went into the basement. And the same thing happened with... Um, they did another raid on, on this big mansion out in Alpine, uh, where this COVID leader uh, was known to, to do his thing, along with other COVID members. There's a $30 million mansion out there. And they also did a raid on that mansion that I pushed them to do. And they did the same thing out there because I talked <clears throat> I talked to the uh, the sheriff out there, and uh, they did the same thing out there. They they asked permission to go to the house, and, so, and then they showed up at an appointed time, and they walked through the house and left. Right. Um, and so you know the information is being interfered with somewhere along the line. Well, it's interesting. The special, chief of special investigations, Charles Hostler, he actually said uh, he didn't trust people in his own office. Um, Correct. 
this whole thing reeks of like when you're dealing with organized crime um, and how they're tipped off beforehand. They have people inside. Do you think this is uh, obviously there's big money involved in this, or it couldn't be, you know, operating the way it does? So, who else do you think is involved in this besides political figures? Do you, do you have a sense of that? Is it organized crime like you got in Europe, Drangheta, the mafia over there, definitely involved in providing children for these night circle killings? Do you think the same thing could be at work in America? Oh, anybody that's involved in this, uh, in these sex uh, abuse rings, you know, which I was glad to see at least they're at least hopefully working on that. Uh, but they they blackmail them. Uh, you know, they 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 have these big sex parties with children and everything, and then they film the parties, and then they and then they blackmail. I mean, the people that are involved in this are are all over the place. Um, for instance, I went down uh, to do a book signing down at uh, UVU, which is University of, of Utah Valley University, and um, we had a a big advertisement in their paper down there that I was because Jenny Hill, the the woman I wrote about, uh, she went to UVU and in fact she was in the royalty of their first uh, Miss UVU. She was first a uh, first uh, attendant to the first Miss UVU, and so we, I was going down there to do this book signing. They have this big article written up about her and the book and everything in there, and um, I went down to uh, talk to a professor uh, about. Uh, talking to some of the students about uh, ritual abuse and he was over uh, the uh, department down there and I walk into his office and he starts blasting me about the false memory association and, and asking me you know a, a lot of questions telling me that he's a proponent of false memory and uh, I so I, I didn't do much with that conversation because I knew that he appeared to be a you know, a member of the of uh, the satanic coven, and and so I just left. And then right after that, um, they they contacted uh, Jenny Hill's family uh, through their network, and all of a sudden the family gets all upset that I'm having this book signing down there, and they start writing negative things to the to the paper, and it got so bad that they actually. Um, cut off the internet uh, paper uh, during that week of the, of the uh, I mean, they have plants all yeah. over the place, and then they try to denigrate your reputation and, and so that it appears that you're some oh, nutcase yeah. out there. And, so it's organized. and they have people in high places, and they're very, very organized. Right. Now, you know, one of the things that came out a few years ago is the CIA actually admitted they run child brothels in Bangkok. And they have since the end of the Vietnam War, at least, is what they've admitted to it. And they say, you know, they openly talk about it. It's to blackmail politicians. It's a way to control people in government. So um, I find it, you know, these whole connections we really have to uh, expose because it's really what's providing the protection for these things. And in that regard, just south of you, uh, in, from Utah, there's Arizona. And we have people working down there around Phoenix off the Gila or Gila Indian Reservation, where they have the highest percentage of children going missing there than anywhere in America. And we've had inside reports of um, in the Kivas there and in the Native communities, uh, a lot of children go missing there and are killed. And so that's in the Aboriginal world very thoroughly. Have you found 
I don't know how many native people are up in Utah, but have you found any evidence about that, about the whole native angle, too? You know, I don't know a lot about the native angle other than when uh, I was on the Dr. Phil show, I was contacted uh, by a couple of uh, native people who I think one was in Oklahoma and one was up in uh, North or South Dakota, uh, and they had talked about a lot of ritual abuse that they had gone through. Um, I, I know it's rampant everywhere, and it's unfortunately not just with the natives. What's in, another thing that's interesting to me is that it, this stuff never hits the papers. No. Um, uh, I had a rough time getting my book in even the local papers because of the prejudice against, you know, this isn't going on, this can't be happening, that type of stuff, and people in the media who deliberately uh, do not advertise it. When I worked in child welfare, uh, for instance, uh, we would get ritual abuse cases in all the time, and you would never hear about those abuse cases in, in the newspaper or in the media. Mm-hmm. It, it was just like it was blocked out. If it was ritual abuse, you just didn't talk about it. And yet the, everybody that works in child welfare knows that this is going on and there are you know, children being raped and whatever, and they even know the families and, and who's doing it. Yet you never, you never see it in, in court. You never see it in the newspaper. It's just a huge, huge cover-up. A lot of it is because of denial, but another part of it is that the perpetrators themselves are are involved in various professions, and and they make sure that it is kept away from the general public. Have you had any kind of community response? I mean, you're well-known, you know, been on the media and that. Do you have people calling up saying, come on, let's go do something about this? Has there been petitions or community meetings about this? Like, what kind of response, if any, has gone on? Uh, practically nothing. <laughs> uh, you get, I get emails once in a while saying, what can I do? Um, but they're generally from people who, you know, want to keep their name out of it. They want to, you know, do whatever they can locally. Uh, but they don't want to get involved in protests or anything like that because, uh, I think, and rightly so, they're concerned about their own safety and that of their family. Um. Whenever you get involved in this, uh, you get threats, and and uh, people just don't want to. First of all, they don't want to believe it's going on, and then they don't want, and then they want to protect themselves and their families from you know whatever might happen to them if they spoke out on it. Well, I remember and, in uh, about ten years ago in Brussels, there were about eighty thousand people in the streets protesting during the Mark Dutroux case, the serial killer when it was shown mm. that he had named the names of rural family members involved in these serial killings. He, he was perpetrating on young children. 80,000 people, I could have, couldn't imagine 80 being in the streets over this. Like, why, kind of in a broader sense, why do we live in such a frightened culture over here? Why do you think? Um, I think a lot of it is denial. Um, we live, you know, a very lovely, peaceful life here, you know, and uh, who who wants to have that interrupted by this horrible thought that, you know, satanic covens are killing our children? Um, even, you know, back in 1990, we knew that there was eight satanic, active satanic covens in Utah. And yet people do not want to believe that, even now, uh, this, what, 27 years later. They still don't want to believe that that's going on. 
uh, I think a lot of it is is complete denial and you know pop our bubble. Uh, yeah, but you know the murder of children. If people don't have a conscience and a response to that, I mean, um, what about the families of the children? You know, there's so many children going missing. What, how do their families react? Do the families get together and demand something? Because when it's striking somebody personally, they can't just deny it and ignore it. Well, on these five, five missing children that I connected this leader to, of course, the information about it being ritual abuse never came out and still hasn't come out. Uh, the Rachel Runyon case was specifically very satanic, and that was all over the newspaper, and everybody was concerned, and when she was missing, everybody was out there looking for her. But the fact that it was ritual abuse uh, done by satanic people never came out. Right. And people just don't want to believe that. Um, people people just don't want to think it's going on. Uh, I myself have a rough time with it sometimes because right. um, when I start talking about it, people kind of turn their heads and say, oh, you know, uh -huh. let's talk about something else. Yeah, I know the feeling. Well, look, uh, one of our, our listeners just wrote in with a question, has Judy ever been threatened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have. Um what I have found is the more publicity I can get for myself, the less threatening it is. And um, when I first got involved with this that many years ago, I was a single-parent mother. I had five teenagers. I had a very ill daughter, and I didn't have an income because of various reasons, uh, mainly because my daughter was so ill I wasn't able to work. And uh, when these women came to me and asked for my help, uh, saying, you know, my father's under arrest and they won't charge him with ritual abuse, and yet we've done all this, we've seen all these murders, we've done all this, we want you to help me, help us. Um, I really had a good talk with Heavenly Father, and I said, I don't know if I can do this. I've got so many, much else on my plate. And I was told very specifically that I and my family would be protected if I would go ahead and help help this ritually abused and so this has been my life missions ever since because I've had that feeling of, of help and protection but I can understand how other people would be very very concerned um, but I have found that the more you speak out on it the more protection you have because the perpetrators don't want to be connected to you they they don't want to be found out they don't want to be exposed and so uh, when I do speak out about it, they kind of go away. Uh, that's how I've been able to go over to, co and I wouldn't recommend this to anybody, but we know when specific uh, ceremonies are going to take place because they're in a what they call a satanic uh, holiday calendar. And it is in the back of my book, 22 Faces. Um, uh, by the way, my book is called 22 Faces, the uh, the the Extraordinary Life of Jenny Hill and Her 22 Multiple Personalities. And in the back of that book is an occult calendar. That calendar was compiled by a group of therapists when they formed the International Society for the Study of Trauma and Dissociation way back, you know, it was back in the 1990, 1980s, I think it was, when they formed that. Um, but what happened is that the American Psychiatric Association wouldn't accept uh, ritual abuse or disassociation or multiple personalities as a, as a diagnosis. And 
So there were just hundreds of therapists across the nation and actually across the globe that were treating ritual abuse survivors who didn't have any uh, way to, to know how to treat them. And so they formed this International Society for the Study of Trauma and Dissociation, ISSTTD. And they met, um, well, they first formed it in New York, then they uh, had a conference in Chicago the next year. And during that conference, they found connections to when uh, satanic rites appeared uh, to happen from all these different uh, therapists. And and so they put together this occult calendar. So we knew from the calendar that they're probably going to have a child sacrifice on this date. And I knew where that child sacrifice was likely to take place because I knew where the Coven sites were that these women had showed me. So on that date or prior to that date, uh, when they say preparation for sacrifice, I would go out to these different sites and I would see actual Coven members start to gather. And as long as I stood outside of the venue, uh, you know, sitting in my car or um, making myself quite present, you know, that I was there watching them, they would actually break up, you know, and and go away and probably reorganize somewhere else. But but by doing that, I was able to break it up, but I wasn't able to prevent it. And and that's quite a dangerous thing to do, because you've got to be really... That's the issue that I think people need to know about more about, Judy, because it's true as an individual, it's probably dangerous to go into those situations although they are very timid they know they're what they're doing is evil and wrong and so they tend to be very uh, frightened and cowardly themselves but the point is you can't shut it down as an individual individual we've had success when you go in as a group so i i would really uh, and this is what listeners have asked me about over and over like do you think it's a good idea for us to go to these sites and i say to them if you're organized well enough yes absolutely because you're going to save a life Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they are afraid of you. They don't want to be found out. And they certainly aren't going <clears> to <throat> hold that ceremony if they know that somebody's out there in front there watching them. Well, with the <clears> video <throat> camera, as, as mm-hmm. has happened, yeah. you know, when, when we've done a thing, we film it. We, and one guy actually had a megaphone yelling at them inside, we know what you're in doing in there. You know, I mean, it's it works, those kind of tactics. So um, wh- another question from a listener. Um just getting out of here. Uh, how do you deal with fear on a spiritual level? Well, um, I pray a lot. I think calling on that power um, is of great comfort. And as long as you're doing the right thing and going in a direction you know that you would want, he would want you to go, um, I, I feel a lot of peace out of that. Yep. Um, I think you just keep very, very close to Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about, uh, in the last part of the show, uh, we talked last time about the kind of organized campaign to make everyone think that these are false memories. There's a whole lobbyist, uh, lobby group at work trying to get government to to write off all these ritual crimes as simply false men- memory syndrome. How closely is that lobby tied to the Satanic Network. I know it's coming out of the American Psychiatric Association. There's psychiatrists on their website all lined up backing this, you know, trying to expose false memory, all that. 
What are the connections? Are the satanic groups actually behind that? Well, they have to be. I mean, first of all, there's no such thing as false memory syndrome. False memory has not been accepted as a syndrome, but they advertise it like it has been. Uh, DID was only finally accepted as a as a syndrome uh, just recently, and that was through this uh, uh, International Society for Study of Trauma and Dissociation finally lobbying to, to get that accepted. But but there have been no studies on false memory that are valid enough. To, to make it a syndrome, so it actually doesn't exist. It's just uh, a term they use to try to put forth their own agenda. Uh, I think they have to be involved in this in order to to try to push false memory like that, especially a professional person. I mean, who ever heard of a professional person pushing something as a syndrome, which isn't a syndrome? You know, they have to have a reason for wanting to do that, and, and their motivation is obviously you know, part of the satanic agenda. Well, you might find it interesting that when I was first um, helping the Native people in their lawsuits in the late 1990s, of course, right away, the main defense of the Catholic, Anglican, and United Churches was that you can't believe the eyewitnesses. It's false memory syndrome. Um, Now, what I found interesting was I traced down who was behind that, and it was a legal team. And one of the the Catholic Church was coordinating the legal reactions of all the churches. They were like the boss, telling everyone what to do. And their main lawyer was a guy called Ian Benson, who just happened, no coincidence, to be the lawyer hired by the United Church to toss me out. So they bring in this lawyer, they pay him about a quarter of a million dollars to, to blacken my name and drive me out of the United Church when I'm exposing these crimes on Vancouver Island. Then he turns around and lobbies the government. He's one of the main lobbyists uh, pushing for this false memory thing on behalf of the Roman Catholic Diocese. So, you know, it's, these lines are direct. I'm sure he's a member of the Ninth Circle cult himself, or at least a, a helper. Yeah, have to be. Yeah. That's the problem. Um, you know, there are prominent... Well, I think the history of the APA is also very interesting. That goes back into the CIA and all that uh, formation of the MK Ultra mind control program right. and that back in the 1950s. Uh, and the CIA is very much involved in uh, this whole situation with uh, ritual abuse. Um, and, there, you know, like, you know, we have these hearings. Uh, well, maybe I could give the readers a little bit of background. Um, back in uh, after World War II, uh, the CIA brought in uh, Nazi uh, mind control specialists from Nazi Germany into the U.S., and uh, by 1950, they had begun the uh, MK Ultra, a mind control program. They put it in, um, let me see, 80 institutions across the United States. 44 were uh, universities across the United States. And they would actually use little children and uh, do mind control experiments on them, which included ritual abuse and satanic type of activities. Right. Yeah. Um, Finally, in 1964, Linda McDonald uh, won a lawsuit that she had been ritually abused, and I can't remember, is it the Montreal? Yeah, Montreal, uh, Dr. Ewan Cameron. Uh, I knew it was. Yeah, day, Ewan Cameron, yeah. 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 Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she won this lawsuit. So so supposedly uh, they, they held these hearings in, here in the United States, and... Um, by 1973, uh, the head of the CIA, uh, Helms, uh, 
had destroyed all the MKUltra documents right. prior mm-hmm. to this congressional investigation that they finally started in 1976. So they do this investigation in 1976. They call in these ritual abuse survivors. They, you know, testify before Congress, and then they uh, they cover up the investigation. Right. Nothing happens after that. Do the same thing in 1995 uh, when Christine Nicola and another ritual abuse survivor, and and those are on the internet. Their testimonies before Congress are actually on the internet where you can watch them. And they did the same thing then. Uh, they right. had those hearings. Then they closed the hearing, and they didn't do anything about it, and they covered up the investigation. Well, like uh, and the these way. were all organized by the CIA and the American Psychiatric Association. And so well, you had the American Psychiatric Association actually promoting uh, this mind control and ritual abuse of children. Right. And then you have women who have been ritually abused trying to go and get treatment from uh, mental health facilities here in the U.S., and there's no treatment for them. Um, and that was right. what the whole Dr. Phil show was about with me and Jenny, is I went on Dr. Phil trying to get her treatment uh, because she couldn't get any at mental health. All they do is drug her up, and um, and that was a whole fiasco yep. over that. Too, and, I mean, they're just all over the place with all this influence. And, and uh, well, that's the thing, Judy. And a very important lesson for all of us to remember: do not ever call for government inquiry into anything—a so-called public inquiry—because the purpose of these inquiries is to do exactly what you said: to gather the evidence, to monitor who's doing the real work, to isolate them, and then put it all under lock and key legally after the inquiry. Uh-huh like the so-called Truth and Reconciliation Commission in Canada, they keep lying to people. They say, oh, yeah, we'll release the evidence of mass graves of children within five to ten years. Then a couple of months later, it's announced the Ontario courts allowed the TRC to destroy all the evidence. <laughs> you know, So mm-hmm. all of that evidence is now officially being pulped under the guise of a public inquiry. So we have to do our own inquiries. We have to do this as a grassroots movement. But here's the thing, you know, in the in the about five or more minutes we have left, I want to just for you to talk a little bit about how do you see building that kind of grassroots movement? How do we go about it? Because we're in the process of doing that, but we need to pool our knowledge and experience about this. What's the best way you think people can go forward right now to do that? Well, I think you have a great organization, and I think contacting the ITCCS is is a, is a way to you know find out what you can do and where you can go and, and how you can be active in it. Um, I think we're going to have to remain organized in order to confront this um, and support each other and go as, like you say, go as a group uh, to do various things. Um, Some people can do it on an individual basis, uh, like ritual abuse is is a very individual thing. I mean, these satanic covens, although they correspond with each other and go to each other's ceremonies and that they're generally a very localized group that you know only yep. do things on a local basis and so to find a child who is ritually abused um, and, and try to help them uh, c- could be very valuable uh, to these children um, I think there are ways of looking at children to decide whether or not uh, they are going through this abuse. Uh, yes. Generally, a ritually abused child has been sexually abused, uh, usually by a, their own family member, uh, for many, many years. And 
and so defining who those children are and then to step in and try and help them right. um, on That's an individual basis is, is one of the greatest things that you could do. Judy, give us your, before we sign off here, please give us your website, a way to contact you, and we'll definitely have you back on again soon. Oh, thank you. Uh, my email is info, I-N-F-O, at the numbers 22faces, F-A-C-E-S, dot com. Um, I have two websites, uh, childabuserecovery.com and 22faces.com. Uh, on those Thank websites, uh, they'll be, you know, getting up, updated here quite quickly. They're kind of old, but um, I would certainly appreciate uh, anybody contacting me to, you know, see how I can help out in their individual areas. Okay, Judy. Well. Thank you again. Uh, you hang in there, sister. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for being with okay. us. Thank you, Kevin. Okay. Judy Byington from Utah, from Salt Lake City, and uh, she. we will definitely have her back with updates. Uh, ITCCS.org is our website, murderbydecree.com, if you want to see all of the evidence the Canadian government and churches have covered up about the close link between satanic ritual crimes and the Indian residential school, so-called, that killed over 60,000 children. Go to murderbydecree.com. Look for our books at amazon.com under the name Kevin Annett. And write to us, republicofkanata at gmail.com. Tune in again next week. And until then, brothers and sisters, you stay strong, stay clear, and become active. Write to us. Get involved. You will save lives. Thank you. Merchant ships, minutes after they took I.